On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between, this is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. We begin with the most pressing, breaking news of the night having to do with the Brewers. Hi everybody, I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks for making us part of your Wednesday night. Here is the most important news pressing to the Brewers and to this show. We're on Spotify now. Finally. I apologize for the waits. We finally got it done. Thanks to our awesome producing staff. Everybody getting the job done. We are officially available on Spotify. You can go all the way back on the catalog as well if you've missed anything there. But yes, everything will be uploaded to Spotify along with Apple Podcasts and on WTMJ.com. So that is obviously the most important news of the day, right? Tommy Wirtz, our producer here inside of the building tonight. It's the only thing happening in Brewers Land this week. Uh, you are forgetting one other thing, too. What's that? Well, tomorrow's my birthday. Hey! Happy early birthday. Not a day over 19. Uh, that was four years ago, to be fair, but yeah. <laughs> Love it. Well, happy early birthday. Glad uh, you're working the day before. Go celebrate tonight. And look, we've got a packed show, so I just wanted to break a little bit of levity. We're going to start with Corbin Burns. Arbitration case has been announced. The hearing has come to a conclusion. We are going to talk about some politics today, and this is for all you stick to sports crowd. Politics always gets involved with sports, so don't ever stick to sports, guys. Uh, we do. We are going to talk plenty about the $290 million proposed by Governor Tony Evers here in Wisconsin and what it would do for the Brewers. Who's getting that money? What would it be put towards? We're going to hear from Mark Schlesinger as well, president of business operations for the Milwaukee Brewers. Also going to hear from Mark Cass of the Milwaukee Business Journal. I'm going to try to put it into layman's terms for everybody on that as well. We're also going to talk about the Valley Sports saga, that is Diamond Sports filing for bankruptcy. They've officially defaulted on an interest payment that they missed of $140 million. I'm just not going to pay my rent next month. You know, that's the same thing, right? Uh, So they are now 30 days to start their bankruptcy filings. What does that mean for the Brewers? What does that mean for baseball? We heard from Commissioner Rob Manfred on that today as well. And we're also going to talk about a little bit of the new rules. We're probably not going to have a ton of time to talk about that, but... We're going to break down what some of the new rules are once we actually see players on the field starting tomorrow. Pitchers and catchers report tomorrow. So I'm very excited to see that get going. See if you guys are already in the building as well. So uh, we have a lot to get to. I just want to burn a break here at the very beginning of the show so we have a lot more time to break down some of these complicated uh, topics. So stick with us. We're just getting rolling. If you want to participate in the show, though, as well, you can text in. You can call in as well. We'd love to hear the fan perspective. 855 616 one six twenty again eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. Plenty more to come. Just getting rolling on Brewers Weekly. More Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. Continuing on, we already burned a break. We've got a lot to talk about today here on Brewers Weekly. If you're listening on the pod, maybe on Spotify for the first time, tell your friends we are officially on Spotify. I'm Dominic Catronio. Okay, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. Hop in if you want to chat. Hop in if you just want to text and hear your thoughts about the Corbin Burns news today. So, we have had... A ruling on the arbitration hearing, in case you need a quick catch-me-up. Corbin Burns filed for arbitration, as a player is allowed to do after three years of service time. We're not going to get into the mechanics of arbitration, but just try to get into the 
why this happened in the way that it did. Corbin Burns and the Brewers were the only, you know, two parties, at least in the Brewers' case. 11 of 12 players settled before they actually needed to go to an arbitration hearing. Corbin Burns was the only one that did not settle. He filed at $10.75 million. The Brewers filed at $10.01 million. The hearing was yesterday, and today the ruling was announced by Mark Feinstein, or at least reported by Mark Feinstein, I should say, at MLB.com, that the Brewers won the case, meaning they're paying him the lower amount, $10.01 million. I know the instant gut reaction for a lot of fans, oh my God, the Brewers are cheap again. I ask to rise above that. It's not that simple. And I'm not going to defend the Brewers in saying, oh my God, this yeah, I think he's absolutely worth at least $10.7 million. But that's not how this process works. And Adam McAlvey, literally as I'm writing this, Adam McAlvey just put up uh, a full write-up about it and reading through it right now. We've got quotes. I'm going to read some of these quotes as well on MLB.com about why teams haggle over what seems like small amounts. And... To the Brewers, in the fan perspective, is thinking, how the heck are you haggling with the best player on your team? And that is a fair critique. You are absolutely right about that. I think it's a tough optic. But that's all it is, an optic. Remember that. Let's be completely honest with each other right now, all right? Me to you. Corbin Burns is not re-signing with the Brewers, guys, after next season. You cannot be surprised. He's going to be an upwards of a $30 million a year pitcher. And if $26 million to Yelly was a big deal, $30 million a year to Burns is just not going to happen. At least $30 million a year at this current rate that he's at. I know you're frustrated that the Brewers are trying to save some cash, but when it's a guy that you know is going to be walking out the door, save it while you can. And this is not the only case of teams trying to save money. I, I'm just looking... I. Put some data together here. Just since 2020, some of the best pitchers in baseball that are arbitration eligible, similar to Burns. So we're not talking Max Scherzer. We're not talking Justin Verlander. We're not talking Garrett Cole because he signed a mega extension. We're talking arbitration where there's still a give and a take on what your value is going to be year to year, right? It's not sign the dotted line. This is what you're guaranteed for the rest of your career. This, this is arbitration. A couple of players, I mean, most notably is Max Freed. Max Freed has filed for arbitration back-to-back years. He won last year in 2022, and he lost this year. They were apart. The Braves and Max Freed were apart by $1.5 million. If you go into Braves Twitter and you see the exact same sentiment that you see in Brewers Twitter, why are the Braves being cheap with Max Freed? This isn't an only team thing. The Royals won their arbitration case with their best pitcher today, Brady Singer. Same thing. The Royals, they don't have a very big payroll. Why are they being cheap with their best pitcher? This is an across-baseball thing, not just contained to the Brewers. Every single team, every single team tries to save money. Period. There is no evidence to say Aside from maybe Steve Coleman, there's even, I can even give examples of look at the Carlos Correa saga, look at them understanding how the luxury tax works. People aren't spending rampantly. They have to be smart. The luxury tax is a thing and things of that nature. But the point with arbitration, while you have a say, 
use your say. It's a process that works for both sides. I want to get to Matt Arnold's comments here as well. Uh, this was tweeted by Adam McAlvey. I retweeted it as well, at Dom underscore Catronio. This is from General Manager Matt Arnold talking to Adam McAlvey. Quote, look, we both tried exceptionally hard to come to an agreement. To Corbin's credit, he has the opportunity to say no. That's key. This is me talking now. It's it's something you earn in arbitration to have a say. You know what? I want to put my case up against your case and see what happens. You are allowed to do that. Don't think it's automatic animosity because this goes to a hearing. Back to the quote. What Matt Arnold has to say, we did what we could to avoid the hearing at all, as at all possible, as evidence, I think, by the fact that we settled with 10 of our 11 cases. I think I said 11 out of 12 earlier, so I, I apologize. 10 out of 11 cases. That is our hope that we settle all these cases before we go to a hearing. We want to be solution-based. We always want to try and get to a place where the player is comfortable, and also we respect the heck out of Corbin's right to push for what he believes is fair. That's a very important line. Corbin had a say in this. And he lost. There's a winner and a loser. It sucks. The business of baseball sucks. I understand the animosity that comes with this. More from Arnold. He, Corbin, means a ton to our team. And regardless of the outcome, we want to treat our players exceptionally well. Corbin has been a leader of our franchise. He has been a pillar for the community. And he has done everything you could possibly and ask for and beyond. We respect the process and Corbin is a pro. We know he's going to take the ball every day and dominate every fifth day like he has for years, whatever the outcome is today. So this was right before the arbitration hearing was heard. What I hear in that, I understand frustrated. You're allowed to be frustrated. I've, I've said that a lot. But if you want to be mad about the arbitration process and the business of baseball and the Brewers saving $740,000 on their best player, fine. I promise you, in June... You'd be oh yeah, they went to arbitration. They fought each other. Corbin understood what he was walking into by going to arbitration. He had the right to say no to $10.01 million. In fact, he's making the same amount of money as Shane Bieber this year. And they're in the exact same situation as far as arbitration goes. They're both in their second of three years of arbitration. Burns not a super two, neither was Shane Bieber. Now Burns has a better marginally ERA, granted in more innings, than Shane Bieber over since 2020. He has the second best, Burns does, B-War in baseball since 2020 of these pitchers that I've listed that are arbitration eligible. Max Fried is first, Corbin Burns is second, and Brandon Woodruff is third. Brandon Woodruff settled at 10.8. Now Burns, we know, is at 10.01. Part of the reason, too, and I'll wrap up this segment with this, part of the reason that Woodruff gets paid more than Burns, that's a common question I've seen throughout Twitter and social media, why is Woodruff getting paid more? His arbitration clock started before Burns did. He is what's called a Super 2 player. A Super 2 player means you've earned enough service time that technically you're 2.128 or whatever it is. You need 180 days to acquire a full year of service time on the active roster. But if you're just shy, if you're in the top, you know, top half of the percentiles of how many days did you get close to earning a full year of, our, of service time? Part of the CBA says that you that the team then awards you a full year of service time as a Super 2, meaning you get to arbitration sooner. This really became to the forefront in 2020 because, yes, it was a 60-game season, but everybody got a full year of service time. So a lot of guys 
had Super 2 status suddenly arrived to them when maybe some people weren't expecting that. Brandon Woodruff was one of those players. So his arbitration clock started actually in 2020, excuse me, in 2021, heading into 2021. Then this last year was his second year of arbitration already, meaning he's already owed more. So he's still got, or excuse me, it, I was right, 2020. So 2020 was year one, 22, 21 was year two, 22 is year three. So he's still got one more year of arbitration, just like Burns, but you always are earning a raise in arbitration, always. That's why Woodruff makes more than Burns this year. I hope that makes sense. I think this is going to sting in the moment. We're going to hear from Burns, I'm sure, tomorrow when pitchers and catchers report, hear his side of the case, and then we'll all move on. All right? He's going to be pitching for the Brewers this year. Who knows how much longer he's going to pitch for the Brewers beyond this year? That's a fair question and a fair critique. If I were the Brewers, I'd let it ride. You know what? I already haggled them over $740,000. I'll take them to arbitration again next season. And then, so you know what, Burns? Good luck in free agency. Look yourself in the mirror and tell me the Burns are going to sign a $30 million pitcher for an eight, nine-year deal. It's just not going to happen, guys. I know it stinks. It's just not going to happen. With that said, let's talk about the $290 million. That has nothing to do with payroll. That was the number one thing I got. The $290 million headline that you saw about the Brewers receiving from the state government, we're going to break that down. We're going to hear from some of the key players of it as well. Stay with us. It's a heavy money episode on Brewers Weekly. Jay. Here comes the money. Here we go. Good song choice there, Mr. Wirtz. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. All about the cash. Okay. So we just talked about the Corbin Burns arbitration deal. Now let's talk about the politics, the $290 million coming to the Brewers. I spent a lot of time coming through the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, the Sports Business Journal today, uh, going through public records today as well. So I'm going to try, I'm going to spend two segments on this, trying to put it into layman's terms for everybody. Uh, Okay. The who, what, the when, the where, the why. Let's just, let's break it down as simply as possible. By the way, if you want to participate, even Burns or anything else, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. The old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. The who? Governor Tony Evers proposing in his 2023 to 2025 Wisconsin fiscal budget, which he announced tonight in front of the state legislature. The what? There is an unprecedented surplus projected to grow each year over the next three years thanks to Tax funds, thanks to pandemic relief bills, mostly federal relief is what the state of Wisconsin is sitting on right now. Right now, there's just shy of $7 billion in a surplus in the budget that is to be spent in 2023. And it could even grow to nearly $10 billion year over year by the end of 2025. They have been frugal in spending, but... They've received close to $20 billion, the state of Wisconsin, that is, in pandemic-related relief funds that they have been sitting on, been smart with how they're spending it, and now they're at a point where they are ready to spend it. What would this do is the Brewers would be getting $290 million cash of that $7 billion. Okay, so just put that around your head for a second. The Brewers are one of the highest taxpayers in the state, getting $290 million of $7 billion, which, again, will be $10 billion by current projections in 2025. And it would extend the lease at American Family Field through 2043, extending it for 20 years from today. It's currently set to expire in 2030. 
and then they'll opt in for two-year options after that. So more on that later. So that's the what. The when, the budget was announced tonight. Now, it was not mentioned in the speech. They strategically leaked this in order to get some uh, reaction and see what the public thinks and put that in front of the Republican-controlled legislature. But what's going to happen now, after now that the budget's been you know, announced, the Joint Finance Committee will break down the budget, you know, going through with committees, going through with state uh, departments, things of that nature, to then bring that data to the Assembly and to the Senate to then vote for Tony Evers' approval. They will approve the budget and then send it Tony to uh, uh, sign the budget into what their plan is going to be. The problem with that, of course, Governor Tony Evers is a Democrat. The legislation is Republican right now. So there's your politics for you. Here's the why. The Brewers and the state funded their own studies, the state meaning as in Wisconsin, and we can also use the state as in the Southeast Wisconsin Professional Baseball Ballpark District. You'll hear that here and there, the district. But the Brewers and then the state independently funded their own studies to analyze costs and improvements to the ballpark. Right now, the plan, with this $290 million, it would grow into four to $28 million, not by more money coming from the state, but from investing that money in escrow and creating more money by investing it, watching it grow over the years, that by the end of this deal, over 20 years, it'll be worth $428 million. That also accounts $20 million for inflation. It locks the brewers in again until 2043, as opposed to the two-year option. So if this is not approved, let's say, the brewers will then every two years have to opt in to staying at American Family Field or start to explore building a new ballpark, leaving, things of that nature. That would be happening every two years starting in 2030 if the lease is not extended. So the lease itself is run by the Southeast Wisconsin Professional Baseball Park District, a.k.a. the state Wisconsin taxpayers, okay? And then the brewers are the tenants of the lease. They're the ones that agree to stay in the building. They're the tenants. The district is the landlord, if you're using an apartment analogy. The state pays for improvements like like the actual structure of the building. For instance, this year they're working on a new audio system that, confirmed by Rick Schlesinger, is almost ready to go, and they updated the club-level seating this year. That was paid for by the state from tax revenue, from team revenue inside the building. They have revenue they generate year over year. They spent about three, a little over $3 million this year, and they had a balanced budget the last three years. So some of the other recent money that has been put forward by the state in order to improve the ballpark includes the roof improvements. That was worth almost $5 million. Excuse me, uh, $1.8 million. Uh, they updated a fire alarm system worth $1.2 million. They updated the LED lights ahead of the 2021 season. They spent $9 million on the scoreboard in 2011. They spent $2.4 million this year on the seats and on the audio system. Things like uh, support beams, things like chillers, things like stormwater drains. The stuff that you and I don't think about on a daily basis, they have to think about. What money that is not included by the district at the Brewers front when it comes to the ballpark, that's X-Golf, that's the new cocktail bar, that's the barrel yard, that's that kind of stuff. That stuff is paid for by the Brewers and is not touched by this money. I need to make that clear. Fan enhancements like sponsor activations like the Liney's Barrel Yard and you know you, you look at some of the stuff that comes with you know trying to spend money and 
earning, you know, the X golf things like that is not covered by taxpayers. Mark Adonacio and the Brewers are footing that bill. I want to make that 100% clear. Okay. The next couple of bits. Where is the money previously come from? The five county tax. Now, if you're under the age of 18 listening to this, you don't pay taxes. Obviously, you're unfamiliar with this. But before you were born, folks here in the five counties were paying a 0.1% tax in order to help fund the ballpark. Well, that tax ended in March of 2020, not because of the pandemic, but it was already ordered to sunset in 2019. So there's no more revenue coming from taxes. That hasn't been the case for three years. So they have about $87 million in reserves from Stadium District, but that's not enough to fund improvements to the stadium beyond 2030, which is why we're at this point now with the Brewers and the state trying to figure out, can they get at least a piece of the pie of this big $7 billion surplus? We're going to hear from the key players next. That's just the basics. I'm going to address some of the questions in the next segment as well. Stick with us. It's a heavy episode today, y'all. More after this on Brews Weekly. I'm Jay. Just happy music to talk about heavy subjects. That's what we do here on Brews Weekly. Welcome back. I'm Dominic Catronio. 855-616-1620. Here on 620 WTMJ. That's the old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank. Get old. We're talking about the $290 million proposed. That's another key word in this that I haven't mentioned. It's a proposal. It's not set in stone. It's not signed by legislature. It's Governor Tony Evers, the Brewers, and the Ballpark District trying to figure out what they want to do in order to keep the Brewers here and make necessary improvements to the ballpark. So let's hear from some key players on this. If you aren't already aware, I've also been on Wisconsin's Morning News throughout this offseason, participating in you know some of our chats, breaking down the news from 5 to 9 in the morning every morning. So we had Mark Cass on yesterday, Mark Cass, a Milwaukee Business Journal, when this news broke and breaking down some of the cash and some of the more common questions that come with a release like this. So here's Mark Cass on what this money's being used for and where it's coming from. We want to use $290 million of the $7 billion right. surplus. Of cash, correct. Yep, and give it to them so yep. they can help maintain... Well, the stadium district, correct. Yes, give, yep. I'm sorry, you're right. Yep. Give it, it to the stadium district, right. not to the brewers. That's important because I know a lot of people are already saying it. I mean, it's not going to the brewers. Right, it goes to the stadium district, right. which is in place to correct. help maintain... The stadium. Exactly. This will be a very interesting one, Eric. I mean, I mean, as you know, there's a long history here, you know, all the way back to the 90s when yeah, oh the yeah. stadium was built, how contentious it was, who lost a job as a result of that vote. A lot of, I mean, really a lot of animosity here. You know, I've already heard it this morning on Twitter. There's already a lot of complaints about this. It's be interesting to watch. It's important, though. I don't think everyone has to remember the impact of having a sports team in Milwaukee. You know, for those of us who travel around the country, you hear about the Brewers. You got to talk about the, about the economic impact of the brewers, having them here, and then not having them here. So this is a huge deal. We'll see what happens, but it's going to be very interesting to watch. Again, that's Mark Cass with Eric Bilstad, Wisconsin Morning News yesterday. This morning, Vince Vetrano and uh, uh, Rick Schlesinger of the Milwaukee Brewers, and now this is not the district, this is the Brewers, this is the tenant, remember, talking about, you know, the question was, wait, are the brewers actually thinking about leaving in 2030, but what why they want to push this deal moving forward now in 2023. You know, we want to be here for the next generation and beyond. And what we need is for to ensure that the same district, our landlord, has sufficient revenue and resources to meet all of its obligations to us under our lease. 
And with the governor's proposal and hopefully with the assent of the legislature, it will provide just that. So we will be signing and hopefully be signing a a lease extension. The district will have sufficient cash to meet all of its needs. And then we'll be here playing a great facility and hopefully winning a lot of games and for the next 20 years and hopefully with opportunities to be here beyond that. That's, again, Rick Schlesinger of the Milwaukee Brewers and the president of baseball, or brute business operations. Vince made that mistake this morning as well. What would the $290 million be lightly used for? Here's Mark Cass. This would be straight up $290 million cash. Cash. That's something that you and I never kind of really have that conversation, do we? But, yeah, it'd be cash. It'd be sitting in an account, earn interest, and would basically help to pay for, you know, work on the stadium, whether it's maintenance, whether it's a new scoreboard again at some point, new seats, you know, kind of what you have to do on a house. Think, think about owning a house, but obviously a whole lot larger. The roof work, the window work, things that have to be done to to actually maintain the stadium, which we are contractually yes. obligated think, to do. I think everyone kind of, kind of, really kind of loses track of that. We are, we actually own the stadium in terms of the state, and the Brewers lease it from yeah. the state. So, I mean, important to do, but I think that kind of gets lost with this whole issue. So let's take a quick time out now. Again, back to that apartment. Landlord tenant situation. Again, the brewers are the tenant. The district, aka the state of Wisconsin and its taxpayers, are the landlords of American Family Field. So, one of the most popular questions I got why is public money going to the brewers? Tax money. Well, this money has already been coming to the brewers since 1996 when the original five county tax was proposed in order to build Miller Park. Now, that tax is gone, like we just mentioned. There's no more revenue coming from that tax. There's about $87 million sitting in reserves that would not last past 2030. The reason why public money is going to the brewers is that it was already in for over 20 years, and this money is already a surplus that is being proposed. It has already been not only some of its taxpayer money like that $87 million, but some of it is coming from the federal government as part of COVID relief and things of that nature. Or because the state of Wisconsin has been fiscally fiscally responsible, they are able to say, hey, Milwaukee Brewers, you've been one of our uh, biggest employers in the state of Wisconsin. You pay a huge load of taxes for our state. We would love to keep you involved in public money. This is a massive, massive deal. And yes, there is an owner, and this is a two-way street, like we talked about, the cosmetic, if you will, like the barrel yard, like the cocktail lounge, like sweet upgrades, things like that. That's done by the brewers. That's done by Mark Ananasio and the Brewers Ownership Group. When we're talking piping, when we're talking the roof, when we're talking, you know, the field surface, that kind of stuff is handled by the ballpark district and by the state. Think of it like a city park, right? The city park, a municipal golf course, is run by the city, is run by the state, and it's funded by your taxes in a parks and recreation. That sort of thing. Another common question that we got, why are public payments for repairs? Well, yes and no that they are for repairs. The district has reinvested public payments and annual rent from the brewers in escrow to pay off debt since 2019. So think of it this way. I bought a car, right? I had to buy a, a car with a car loan, all right? And I just finished paying off that car early, right? Let's say I bought the car in 2019. I was supposed to finish paying it in 2025. Nope, 2023, I'm already done with my payments. That's where the brewers are with 
paying back the stadium itself. They finished off their stadium debt in 2019 when they were originally scheduled to pay it off in 2029. That is thanks to investing it in escrow, making gains on the market, and being able to get ahead of those debt payments. So this is money that they are debt-free when it comes to actually operating the ballpark, but making sure it lasts to 2043 obviously is going to cost money. So that's where this money is coming from in that regard. Right now, there's about $70 million dedicated to just infrastructure repairs of that $87 million. And that would be replenished without having to tax citizens. That's a big part. Your taxes are not going up because the brewers are getting $290 million, if that were the case. Let's make that clear. Your taxes will not be impacted by the brewers getting $290 million. Cool? Cool. Another quote, and a more popular question, and Rick Schlesinger actually addressed this directly. Well, what about a beer district a la the Bucks Deer District? You know, the, the development of sort of a beer district or things outside are really not necessarily contemplated by, by this money. This money is, is, is required to be used in accordance with the lease. The lease is pretty specific on what projects can be funded. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's capital projects for the ballpark. It's things that are required for the ballpark pursuant to, uh, governmental rules and regulations, uh, required by major league baseball rules and regulations or, consistent with what other Major League Baseball teams have at their ballparks under certain provisions. So, candidly, you know, the, the, the money is really is really designed to be used for, you know, sort of mechanical, right. electrical roofs. Um, it certainly can be used for uh, scoreboards and things like that. It can be used for other projects that are required by Major League Baseball but the reality is, is we haven't been looking, you know, at, at a real estate development opportunity here in, in any meaningful way. That doesn't mean we don't want to explore it. But we're looking at these funds really to meet the needs as required by the lease. And this lease is very specific, and it doesn't give the brewers unilateral right to just take the money and use as we want. It has to be pursuant to the lease, and the district has to sign off on it. There is lease terms. There are contractual agreements in order to make this work. Again, that's Rick Schlesinger, president of business operations for the Milwaukee Brewers on Wisconsin's Morning News this morning. So, yes, in theory, they could make a beer district. That's not a priority, it sounds like, right now for the Brewers. There are some things maybe they're eyeing with the ballpark, roof stuff. Air conditioning was a popular thing that I saw on social media. Fans would want air conditioning. Okay, I get. I mean, the roof's open. I guess I'm ignorant to that. I know in the sun it roasts. I get that. But if the roof's open and you got air conditioning, I don't know what, how that's going to help you. But anyway, I digress. Heating both ways, that sort of thing. That stuff's expensive. The reason why the brewers... This is also a low end of their estimate of what they want to get the money back-wise. So $290 million, they estimate, would grow into $448 million by the end of the deal thanks to investing it. And they estimate that essentially the brewers and the state will have paid back that money, the $290 million initial investment, in the next 11 to 14 years. So again, they're not accruing debt. They're not, it's not an IOU or something like that. They would be generating $400 million through 2043, which would be the end of this proposed lease extension. Last thing on this before we talk about Bally Sports. Why would the Brewers push for this now? 
I look at what the Arizona Diamondbacks are going through right now. Their lease is up in 2027 with Chase Field, a 30-year agreement. And that ballpark's struggling. There's fights. There have been lawsuits between Maricopa County and the Arizona Diamondbacks in the city of Phoenix of who's paying for what in the ballpark. There is no uh, amicable relationship there. They've had to have it settled. They've had really interesting stuff happen there at Chase Field where the Diamondbacks could be looking for a new home within Phoenix after 2027, kind of like what they're dealing with the Arizona Coyotes right now. But you want to ensure the ballpark stays in working order by both parties. And that's already being made clear in 2023, seven years before the lease is set to expire. Milwaukee wants to avoid that Arizona issue because the Diamondbacks sued Maricopa County over $187 million worth of repairs that they said were worth. They reached a settlement on that. The Brewers and the states and the district are working together on $290 million. That's a great first step. There's a lot of politics. This is just day one. We're going to hear about this all summer long if this is included in Governor Tony Evers' budget. So there's your little politics lesson for the day. Let's talk about more money, baby. Let's talk about Bally Sports Wisconsin and Rob Manfred's conference today. Stay with us, Brewers Weekly. Okay, let's talk about more difficult stuff to understand and that isn't going to affect your day-to-day life, but might more than the Corbin Burns and the $290 million, and that is Bally Sports Wisconsin getting ready to file for bankruptcy and Bally Sports in general, I should say. 855-616-1620. We're with you to the top of the hour. 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. That's the talking text line. We heard from Rob Manford today in response. You know, he has his spring training press conferences. He was in Arizona today. He'll be in Florida this week as well. About Diamond Sports Group, the subsidy owned by Sinclair, which the big umbrella owns Bally Sports. So when we say Diamond, think Bally Sports. Okay, that's... That's who owns and runs Bally Sports on behalf of Sinclair Broadcasting Group. We talk about, they have 30 days now. We talked about it a little bit ago. They have 30 days now to officially file for bankruptcy. They missed $140 million interest payment, and they owe money to every single team they broadcast for. First, most common question, will this impact me watching the Brewers? Maybe where you get the channel, but in some capacity, it will be available to you, whether it is on cable, or whether it is uh, going to be uh, streaming, whether it is going to be YouTube TV, whatever it ends up being. And Rob Manford gets into this in just a moment. You can always listen on WTMJ. And you can always listen here on WTMJ with Bob Uecker at home. So, thanks, Tommy. The big thing to remember, they're suddenly not going to go dark, right? You will be able to watch Brewers games in some way, shape, or form. Let's talk about what a new MLB TV would look like if folks want to subscribe to that, in the event Major League Baseball has to step in and take over for Bally Sports. This is uh, from earlier today, Rob Manfred talking about the new changes and what things need to be, need to happen between now and the start of the season. We've been really clear um, that if Diamond doesn't pay um, under every single one of the broadcast agreements, that creates a termination right and our clubs will proceed to terminate those contracts. Um, In the event that MLB stepped in, um, what we would do is we would produce the games, we would make use of our asset, the MLB network, um, to do that. We would go directly to distributors 
um, meaning Comcast, Charter, the big distributors, and make an agreement to have those games distributed on cable networks. I, I, my expectation is that as part of that negotiation, there would be a negotiation over price. Um, probably gets back to the question about, you know, what the economics would look like, but we would also be seeking flexibility on the digital side so that, you know, when you look at MLB.TV, you'd go in, you could buy your out-of-market package like you'd always have, but you would have the option to buy up into in-market games had before, which I see as a huge improvement for fans. So that last part I want to talk about specifically, you can you know, buy an out-of-package game. Like, like, let's say I grew up an Oakland A's fan, right? I can watch the Oakland A's here in Milwaukee, no problem. Unless they're playing the Brewers here in Milwaukee. I don't have to worry about that. But if I were a Brewers fan in Iowa, I can't watch the Brewers. I'm blacked out by six teams. Blackouts were asked by Jeff Passan to Commissioner Rob Manfred, I want to play that exchange. How big of a priority is it for you to, if not end blackouts, then at very least transition to a place where all fans can see games. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think that um, in the last couple of years, if you had to say, give me one word that's Central Baseball's number one priority, that word would be reach. Um, and, you know, blackouts are the kind of opposite side of the coin of reach. We need to deliver product to fans who want to watch on platforms that they customarily use at a realistic price. Um, that is our number one priority. The man is trying to fix it. You can say what you want about Rob Manfred. Major League Baseball knows there's a blackout issue. And Diamond Sports Group going bankrupt puts that blackout issue to the front of the table, realizing, okay, we can't kick this can down the road any further. There is going to be a time at some point this year where teams will not be on local cable. So legally, they cannot black out fans from watching in the local market. So I can see a faint light at the end of the tunnel for blackout restrictions. We just don't know what this is going to look like in the future. So that's... A little bit. We'll know more by the end of the month about Diamond defaulting on its payments and things of that nature. But this is just the beginning of that whole process. Let's get ready to wrap up the show with some rule changes. It's been a long show. Stick with us, Brewers Weekly. Jay. Just about out of time here. If you haven't seen it already, the new bases, uh, Willie was right. But they're too big. They, they're big, though. They look like a box of pizza. Yeah, right? They're too big, yeah. They're way too big. When I went to see to do my rehab in, in the minor leagues left, uh, this last year, the first time I was stepping on it, I was like, oh, my God, it looked like a big <laughs> box of pizza. It's too it, big. They are huge. There's a whole article on MLB.com talking about the new rule changes. And with video accompanied with it, too, it's really well done, actually. I encourage you to check it out. It's going to be a you-know-what show during spring training while everybody adjusts to the pitch clocks and the shift rules and things of that nature. But I've got it retweeted at Dom underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O if you want to check that out and learn more about the rules. We'll know more when we see guys on the field. Pitchers and catchers report tomorrow. Thanks to Tommy Wirtz. I'm Dominic Catronio. Keep on swinging.